If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas. Uh, we are back after the Titans' bye week. They will be taking on the Colts in week seven. Uh, we'll talk about the Colts in a little bit, but before that, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that, that have happened over the weekend uh, and, and recently as well. Uh, the most recent thing is Delaney Walker today— uh, on Tuesday, uh, officially retired as a tight end after a couple of years out of the league, uh, following that, I think the, his last season was the one where he got injured, right? And it, no, that was, that was 2018. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think his last season was 2019. Correct. Yeah. 2018 was the one where he, um, he broke his leg, I think against the dolphins week one. Um, yeah. man, I, I remember that. That was such a deflating, uh, that was one of the most deflating games the, I think ever. Yeah. Right, the worst game, the worst game I've ever watched. Like so many <laughs> terrible things happened. Like that was the Taylor Lewan body bag game. That was the uh, uh, Marcus like hit Nerve his injury like, yeah, or whatever. Elbow, and it's like he couldn't feel his arm anymore really after that, and he was screwed up for the whole year. Then mm-hmm. Delaney had his injury, and this was after. Uh, it was 2019, so it was the start of uh, where where Titans fans really thought that the team was going to go to the playoffs every year. Like, where it was like, okay, this is a team that's built, you know, there's good talent, like, blah, 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 and there was. But it's like, you know, in at that point you had, I believe DeMarco Murray was still on the team. And you had DeMarco Murray and... Uh, uh, like a young Derrick Henry, but like not super young. Like I think he was in his third year. I, I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, the point is, it's like you had like a team that you're like, okay, this team's, you know, it's going to work, blah, blah, blah. And then just a nightmare of a game with a weather delay in the middle and like major injuries like across the board. And it was, it, I mean, it was just a nightmare. Yeah. It, it kind of sucks that, he left by the time the Titans really started finding consistent success. He was still a part of uh, some pretty good teams uh, that did make the playoffs. I can't remember exactly which ones he was on and he was actually playing for uh, because he suffered so many injuries those last couple of seasons. Uh, but man, what what a great Titan he was! I don't. He's probably not the best tight end in Titans history. I think probably still Frank Wycheck, although. I, I, if you said that Delaney was the, was the best, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you really because what he provided for the offense, it, in times where the receivers were just not good, like they, they couldn't get anything going, Delaney was essentially the number one option in the passing game for a lot of years, and this was like his early thirties. It's not like he was a a, a young, uh, up and coming player that that was going in his prime. Like his prime was. 31 32 33 years old uh, and he was producing like an elite tight end he was a top five tight end in the nfl i think uh in those very best years as a tight end and i i think 
I think he's going to stick out a lot in, you know, those conversations that we have in a couple of years where we think about previous Titans that we were in love with. And, and Delaney is definitely one that that's going to pop up. Yeah. Like you look at Frank Wachek's numbers and it's like, they're, they're more, there are more solid seasons there. I think he had, let me look at it real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, six years in a row with 500 or more yards, which is, really good for a tight end, especially with the way, you know, the, the Titans have historically played football, but I, I, I was looking up Delaney Walker stats. We all, I think, remember that he had four seasons in a row with 800 plus yards, which is crazy. But the one that stood out to me is, uh, he had, I think it was 2008. No, it was 2007. One, one of those years, um, right in the middle of like his dominance where he had, uh, 1,088 yards, and the best season that A.J. Brown had with the Titans was 1,075 yards. So it's like imagine that as good as A.J. Brown was slash is, Delaney Walker outproduced him as a tight end in an offense with, you know, no disrespect, but with Marcus Mariota and with with a lot of disrespect, Terry Rubisky, and, you know, that that group of, you know, talent around him. So. I mean, he was awesome. Like, I personally would rather have Delaney Walker. I think what he did is more impressive, and I think he would have continued to do that. There was no drop-off. He just got injured and couldn't hang anymore. But, I mean, he was great in the run game. You could line him up anywhere. I mean, he just uh, – he was very much the connective tissue that sort of bridged the gap. But not not that he was there when the Titans were good, but he helped kind of – Taylor Lewan specifically talked about how, you know, they were friends when, when, I mean, they're still friends now, but how close they were when Taylor was a rookie and all, all that kind of stuff and how they would go out and do stuff. But then Walker would always be like in the steam room working out, like all, like constantly like trying to get better and how that was important to him because I mean, there were a lot of guys just collecting paychecks on the Titans roster when, I mean, pretty much every other free agent that Rustin Webster signed was just collecting a paycheck. So he he was the rare good evaluation and somebody who did help with the culture change. If Mike Vrabel would have been the head coach, the you know, when he'd been signed, Walker would have never left the field. And, you know, that that was sort of the case anyway, but he's very much a Mike Vrabel guy. Yeah, it would have been awesome to see him uh, in his prime with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown uh, whenever they could all be healthy at the same time. That would have uh, definitely been something something to see, but unfortunately never happened. Uh, but we only have great memories of Delaney, um, and he really was such a versatile player. I remember <laughs> it was hilarious. I used to play Madden back in the day, and when he was just coming in the NFL with the 49ers, he was their kick returner, and I like I, I would play a game in Madden. I would see this Walker guy returning a kick with the 49ers, and I'm like, hold on, who is this? And then I check, and it's a tight end returning kicks. I'm like, what is happening here? But that's just the type of player he was. He was never he wasn't really like very tall. He was like six feet tall, but he was so fast and so strong, um, and he was really really a unique player. There re- really is not. There are not a lot of players um, that are like him on the pass and on the NFL right now. So congrats on a great career to Delaney Walker, um, and hopefully we'll get some more players uh, of his caliber going forward. Uh, The other thing that happened uh, over the bye week that we need to talk about, because I'm sure we have a lot of Volunteers fans that listen to us, and uh, alums also, uh, and Will, you were alum as well. Uh, you were probably over the moon when the Tennessee Volunteers uh, beat Alabama 52 to 49 in what I'm being told is one of the best games ever. I only watched the final, the final two minutes of this one, but man, did I tune in at the perfect time. And obviously, I'm an honorary Volunteers fan. Uh, Will has uh, has graced me with that uh, honor. So. I can pretty much say that I had a lot to do with this one. Uh, plus, it's always good to see. It's always good to see Alabama lose. Like I genuinely, I I don't know why. I like that. I kind of feel bad that I'm cheering against these 
18 year olds who have like I have nothing against but Nick Saban is just I don't I don't like him I don't know what to say plus I don't like when when teams are like dynasties and they just win every single year it gets uh really boring and this volunteers team is they're pretty good man they're pretty good (laughs) yeah uh, so let's talk about it uh there's a lot of stop the nonsense mixed in here with it which is perfect because it's a bye week so it's not like i I feel like i'm going to talk over because we should be covering something that the titans did but this was sort of the culmination of you know the the season so let me set the stage for it but it is the season laid out perfectly for the balls because not the balls always have the hardest schedule in the country like they have to play play their division they have to play the sec and then they have to also play uh, the West team that they play is Alabama. Like they schedule it every. It's like they intentionally play Alabama every year, which for 15 years has been a death sentence to any sort of hope you could possibly have. But you know, this year they start off strong against Ball State. The next week they go on the road against a ranked team in Pitt, and you know they they get after the passer. You know they they bang up you know both quarterbacks really and sort of get that groove going then week three they play Akron and I I don't have a problem with it uh but you know Cedric Tillman gets injured in that game because Akron hits him with a dirty hit I don't have a problem with it because that's the same game where Jalen Hyatt had 150 yards or whatever and that was important later you know the Vols needed to know how to win without Cedric Tillman so then you go on to Florida. And this is the first sort of hurdle that you have to overcome as a Vols fan is uh, obviously for the better part of 15 years as well. Florida, you play Florida and there's an excruciating way to lose. It's a backup quarterback in the second half. It's a Hail Mary. It's a, you know, a, a fourth and long or third and long or whatever it was where you have the game in control the whole time. And then you just, two of your guys run into each other. It's a lot of different ways to lose and they're all equally painful and miserable because at halftime, it always feels like there's a chance that this is the year that, you know, Florida loses and that Tennessee gets their momentum back, whatever. So Tennessee dominates, dominates that game. It's not even, it's not close. Like the scoreboard says it is, but it's really not in, had they not gotten conservative in the fourth quarter and, basically packed it in it would have you know the the margin of victory would would have skyrocketed but they Florida gets an onside kick that they you know make a drive and they they, you know they end the game on an interception so the balls win a game but they learn a lesson you know they learn you have to stay aggressive it doesn't matter how much you're up that'll be important for later they also get the whole our home advantage, like the the home atmosphere of uh, Neyland when it's rocking, is just at a whole different level. Like, you know, you'll you'll see this in cutups that you see this week from people that have the all twenty two. I think Dane Brugler tweeted it out where he had a hard time watching the end zone film because the camera was shaking the whole fourth quarter when he was trying to watch Bryce Young, which is it's awesome and it's a testament to the fans. And you know, it. it proved that it mattered to to pack out a stadium okay fast forward you you take a bye week and then you play lsu and you don't play lsu before your bye week because you know that's just the way the schedule is but it also keeps you from having a trap game against lsu which we've seen as a good team they stomped out florida last week i think it was like 42 to something is something in the low 30s or high 20s i mean it was it was a good margin of victory and it, again it wasn't as close as uh, as the score looks so you avoid that and you stomp them and you know you learn to keep your foot on the pedal you know it, it's never close against lsu you win against ranked lsu on the road another good sec win so that's the stage for this alabama game and you know, uh, Alabama, I believe, yeah, Alabama starts off with the ball. Is that right? I, I believe Alabama started off with the ball. Anyway, loud, whatever. 
the I'll, if you've seen the game, you know kind of what happens. Like the Vols storm out, score on their first three possessions, uh, under two minute scoring drives each time, just absolutely ripping them to shreds. But they don't get conservative. Like the, you know, they understand what they are. They continue to be aggressive, and then they stack points as much as they can. Fast forward to, I believe it was forty-two to forty-two, and look, Hendon Hooker is the Heisman favorite in everybody's book right now. He's a superstar. They they had one miscommunication where that he and I don't remember if it was Jabari. I think it was Small. Um, Jabari Small, the running back, they miscommunicate within their own twenty. A ball just ends up laying right in the middle of the field, and uh, Dallas picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. So Alabama scores, and they're up by seven in a game that they had no business being up because nobody had outplayed nobody in red had outplayed anybody in orange, and that would continue throughout the rest of the game. But it felt like one of those times where had they not been battle tested, had they not, you know, faced Pitt and had to win a tie game in overtime, had they not dealt with, you know, Florida who was punching them back when they were trying to punch early, had they not dealt with all that early, they wouldn't really know how to respond, but they get the ball back, they score, it's 49-49, then Alabama goes and in sort of a weird reversal of fortunes, Alabama misses their field goal because they decide to get away from what's working, which is the running game or just anything to Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, they kick a field goal, they miss it. There's 15 seconds left on the clock, but the balls have two timeouts. And it, every ball fan knew what was coming next, or, or at least I would assume they knew because it felt so clear to me at the time. There was no doubt that they were going to get in field goal range. And uh, Hooker was amazing, drove, I don't know, 40 yards in two plays. And then they go to set up a, a 40-yard field goal. And I, I, I personally didn't think they were going to make it. Like, I, everything in my bones told me they were going to miss it. And it was going to be heartbreak. And then you have to try to go to overtime with them. And it's just, it's going to be, an, you know, more of the same. Except you don't get the, like the, the vertical aspect of the field, which is where Tennessee had been killing them with Hyatt, who also looked like a superstar and got his 10th touchdown when he caught uh, five touchdowns on six six receptions. Anyway, it, it felt like it was going to be one of those games that Alabama didn't deserve to win, the rare game, but where they didn't deserve to win, but where they walked away just because things broke their way in the end the way they always do. But that wasn't the case. You know, the kick, I think, got tipped a little bit because it came out essentially sideways, but just enough, and it went over the crossbar. And then I... Every, again, everything in my bones told me there's going to be a flag or Nick Saban will have taken another timeout before the kick. You know, something's wrong. But, no, I mean, it was cigars up and the Vols, you know, maybe the most beautiful rushing of the field ever when you look at what it looked like to have 100-plus thousand people's water falling and cascading down the stands and onto the field. And uh, it's it's one of those feelings where – you sh nobody should ever have to feel this because you have to build up 15 years of pain before you can sort of get this you breathe out for the first time in a decade and a half but for year after year even even the times when the Vols have beaten Florida or the Vols have you know gone you know done well early it's always like yeah but when you play Alabama you end up losing 52 to 0 and it happened like that forever. But last year, the Vols were leading at halftime. It, it, Alabama came back and, uh, you know, the, this, that was never a team that should have beaten Alabama. But the fact that they showed fight and they got ahead of them early was promising. I, I didn't know if this was the year or if it would be next year or when, but it felt like Tennessee was going to be able to beat Alabama at some point. But just just the growth from two years ago where the entire program seems like it's on fire and you have to deal with all that. And then, you know, you're 18 months later and now you should be the number one team in the country because there's no way in the world 
Georgia's played a harder schedule. They've looked worse than Tennessee. They almost lost to Missouri. They let, I think it was Kent State, move the ball on them well. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying the Vols are perfect, but they're the only team in the country who's played and beaten four ranked teams, and they've done it against five teams, I believe. So that's, you know, I guess neither here nor there. And then Ohio State getting a pass at two for no reason also is insane to me. But, you know, somebody said it on the radio that, if the Vols win their games, they, they won't have to worry about where they're ranked and all that. That's true until you start thinking about the scenarios of what happens if there's a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss Georgia team and a one-loss Tennessee team. Because, you know, rankings will very much be important in that scenario. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. It's It's all – that part's, you know – to be determined you got to finish your schedule and all that kind of stuff but it's exciting because for the first time in in my lifetime you're really thinking about I mean I mean not my lifetime I guess they won the national championship but uh, in my adult or teenage lifetime they've gotten to a place where you can seriously think about you know playoff slash championship aspirations and even if you're not going to make it, which, I mean, we don't, like I said, we don't know, but just to be able to have that hope is the entire reason why you have college sports in the first place. Like you just want to have that expectation where when you get to a certain point in the season, there's a chance that you could be one of the 10 teams that's actually possible, you know, as not as college football champions. So having the number one offense in the country, putting up 52 points against Alabama and being the only team to do it, put 50 plus points on Alabama in the past hundred years and to do it twice. Cause I think they did it in 2006, 2003, one of those, but I mean, every way, you know, to win in a, in a way where they had their best players, the Vols didn't have all their best players. And, you win in a game where everybody says, well, you can't outscore Alabama. Like you got to play some defense. You really don't. You really, really don't. You just have to, you know, have the ball last, you know? So it it was all fantastic. And it's, it's an exciting and interesting time to be a Vols fan. And the future's like crazy bright too. They have a five-star quarterback coming in. Milton has a rocket arm and, you know, we can talk about his placement, whenever but if you're a a fast wide receiver and you're transferring from any school in the country you've got to say okay that guy just put up 200 yards and five touchdowns against Alabama and probably made himself millions and millions of dollars in NIL deals and uh, draft status but you know what can I do there so it's you know we'll, we'll see what happens but right now it's it's just euphoria in Tennessee yeah, I'm happy for you. Happy for all the Vols fans that listen to us. Uh, definitely a great vibe surrounding that team and just uh, the organization uh, as a whole. Um, I hope it goes well. I really do. You guys have endured a lot of suffering, as have I, as a Miami Hurricanes fan. I mean, geez, oh, man. I don't want to talk about them, so we'll just stick to the volunteers. Um, I always I always pick them in uh, – in uh in march madness and they always let me down so uh the cool thing about miami is like y'all like not not to disparage all the balls and all that but it's like y'all have cool people that come out in the draft like pretty frequently it feels like i mean you know i I remember i remember we would watch the uh and talk about in the group chats like the russo and uh roche and jalen phillips like we would watch them like play and just how freaky they were and all of that. Like, I mean, the Vols have had Derek Barnett, Alvin Kamara, and and some wide receivers that didn't – like, we don't get to enjoy the guys that we produce. Like, they're always better in the NFL than they are at Tennessee, and that that's pretty brutal where, you know, all these guys are like, I'm from the University of Tennessee, and then half the fans are like, I don't remember them playing there. So – at the very least, you get to enjoy your really good players. That is true. That is true. Um, but I do think there are a lot of parallels between uh, the Volunteers and the Hurricanes over the past 
uh, decade or, or so. We've had some coaches that have just been uh, brutal. I, it's, there's just no other uh, word to really uh, explain it. But hopefully this uh, is a turning point in in the Vols' uh, future. Uh, I, and we'll see about the Hurricanes. I mean, they barely beat Virginia Tech, and they're unranked. So it's not looking too good for us. But we do have a new coach. Maybe uh, maybe he'll get the ship righted uh, eventually. Uh, we're going to take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and preview the Colts game as well as talk about the NFL uh, as a whole because it's definitely something worth uh, discussing. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. So let's talk about the NFL. Uh, I, I think it's definitely a, a topic that we have to discuss because yeah, the Titans haven't been great this year. I, I don't think they've looked particularly uh, great. Uh, they haven't looked like an elite team, but the level of play in the NFL right now is is disgusting. Is disgusting, and, and like there's actual evidence to back up uh, what we're seeing because it does feel like every week, particularly in primetime games, unfortunately we we keep having to watch the Denver Broncos, who are a disa- an absolute disaster. Uh, they, they are one of the worst coach teams uh, I've seen in a really long time. Uh, and Russell Wilson looks absolutely cooked, but we keep having to watch them. And because their defense is really good, we keep having to watch the other team's offenses also struggle mildly, and it turns into an awful product. And it's not just the Broncos and, and whoever they play. It's all around the NFL. I saw a tweet the other day um, that – fantasy scoring fantasy football scoring is the lowest it's been in 13 years and we're at a time where it's supposed to be the complete opposite like all of the penalty flags uh, all the penalty calls uh the way the nfl is designed and has been going to over the past decade has benefited the offenses yet they suck there's like what three, four good offenses, like really good offenses in the entire NFL, and everyone else. It seems like they have no clue. They have no clue how to gain yards, and once again, the red zone. They don't know. They don't have any idea how to put the ball uh, in the end zone and actually score touchdowns. So, I don't know. Like, I I, I told my I told my dad while I was watching the Sunday games. I was like, the Titans might win the Super Bowl. Uh, they might not look good the entire year. They might come away with a Super Bowl win because I don't know. There is no good team. There are no good teams, like really good teams in the NFL. I would say the Buffalo Bills are. I think they're the best team. I, I don't even. I don't think it's close. I think the Eagles are, are are very good as well. But the Bills just with Josh Allen, he looks incredibly uh, dynamic, has a rocket arm. Obviously, his mobility is a huge plus. But they also have a fantastic defense and really good coordinators uh, to back that up. The Eagles do as well, but I'm a little skeptical on uh, their coaching staff. They're a little bit young, and Jalen Hurts hasn't looked particularly amazing the last couple of weeks, uh, and the first couple of weeks might have been a little bit of a fluke. But you go through these other teams uh, uh, across the NFL, like, who is good? Like, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, they they have a Good offense, not an amazing offense that we've seen over the past uh, few seasons. The Tyree Kill loss is actually affecting them. They don't have a lot of receivers that are are kind of, you know, minimizing that loss. The Ravens keep losing to, like, these really close games. The Giants keep winning all these close games, but they're not talented at all. They just are very well coached, and they keep sneaking away with these one-score wins. I don't know, man, like— what do you think of the NFL right now? I, I I really think we're in a point where it's the worst it's been in a really long time. 
I, some of it is that we're in this transition period with quarterbacks, right? Like Russell Wilson has dropped off pretty significantly. Tom Brady doesn't look very good. Like, and he has no offensive line, so he's getting wrecked all the time. He doesn't. Aaron, he also doesn't want to be out there. I don't know why he came back. Every he's just mad all the time. Yeah, he's going to Robert Kraft's wedding. Uh, on a game week, like, on a Friday. why did he come back? I don't I mean, understand. Like, uh, and then Aaron Rodgers, like, seems disinterested. And so you have all these, like, Matt Ryan is terrible. Like, we'll talk more about him later. But, you know, he has seven interceptions and 11 fumbles lost. Like, that, like, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty bad. I mean, like, I don't know how else to put it. But, like, these the the kids who were supposed to come in and be saviors like the Trevor Lawrence's and the Kyler Murray's and you know the Justin Fields like all those guys like they they're all like I mean Kyler Murray is is a little bit different because he actually has shown potential but it's like there's this big I mean remember when we had the Baker Mayfield Kyler Murray Josh Gordon or Josh Gordon Josh Allen uh Josh Rosen uh draft it was like those were all supposed to be franchise-changing quarterbacks. And, ba- and uh, golly, Baker, uh, Josh Allen is the only one still on the same team, and he looks great. But since then, it's also a bunch of quarterbacks who don't look very good. Like, Mac Jones looked good last year, and he was clearly the best rookie quarterback. Now he's injured, and Bailey Zappi's in, and it looks like he might take his spot. So, uh, you just like, there's just no good you know look at Justin Herbert like uh, you know he he's awesome at you know putting up yards and all that kind of stuff but for whatever reason I mean he has he has plenty of weapons he's got a, a good defense but they just don't for whatever reason whether it's coaching which some of it is or whether it's a guy who can move the ball between the 20s really well but can't move it in the red zone like whatever it is like they're not getting the job done and you know that they won against the Broncos but barely and I mean they're four and two but there's a real chance that they don't make the playoffs even though they are four and two just because uh, of how they've actually looked and all the injuries they have so you know there's no young guys stepping up at quarterback there's no the you know the the older guys are getting worse and anytime there's an offensive coordinator with a glimmer of potential of figuring things out and, you know, being a head coach one day, they get hired a year too early and they, they screw up their career. Like Arthur Smith is different because he served as a assistant coach for like eight years uh, all across the, the Titans like team before he started out on defense. Um, and that was before, you know, he, he got his offensive coordinator chance and he went two years and then he left like that. That makes sense. But there's so many guys who are two years removed from, you know, look at Vrabel. Like, I mean, he's he's different because he was defense, but he was a linebacker coach for two years and then a defensive uh, coordinator for a year for the worst defense in uh, the NFL. And he gets hired as a head coach. And you know, that's worked out for the Titans because they had a good roster coming in and he didn't have to make, didn't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting with the personnel decisions because the foundation was there. But all these guys, you know, the hackets of the world, like they talk so big in these interviews and these owners are so easily swayed that there's just, there's not a lot of guys who come in and can sustain anything anymore. So is the product, but I mean, I, I would argue like, I don't care what happens on the field. Like, the product of not knowing what's going to happen and the parody in the NFL and all that makes football, you know, the the most popular sport in America and easily the, my favorite sport by, you know, a mile. But like the product is certainly not what we expected it to be two years ago. So, you know, maybe some of that is, you know, good defense, but it's not like, you know, TJ Watts out. Miles Garrett's been hurt, but he's still been good. Aaron Donald's great, but I mean, it's not like he's on a record page. Like, it's not like it's all these defenses who are completely out of their mind right now. It, you know, it's it's just a lot of miscommunication, a lot of guys who are hurt, and it's it's hurting the league in terms of if you want to sell it as, you know, the excitement of college football, but 
uh, you know, there's no bad teams. It's hard when Alabama, Tennessee are going, you know, Tennessee wins 52 to 49. Like it's hard to recreate that, you know, in a, let's see, what was the score? 12 to nine Colts Broncos game. Like, I mean, or 15 to 12, like overtime, whatever their score was like, that's not really going to capture the same attention. Yeah, I mean, over the weekend, people were, like, clamoring for more games like Colts-Jaguars because no one was playing defense. So Matt Ryan threw the ball 60 times because the Jaguars would not guard, uh, would not defend the middle of the field. So Michael Pittman had, like, a million catches. Um, And then Trevor Lawrence just scored, like, a a couple of short touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns. And, like, to us— uh given how bad the nfl has been offensively like that was that was a shootout it was like the shootout of the year uh so yeah it's bad i think you're right about the nfl being in a transitional phase with these quarterbacks you're right i mean think about it brady rogers russell wilson have been the guys over the past uh 10 plus years uh add drew Brees to that who just recently retired a couple of years ago and yeah, we are in a transitional phase, but you're expecting some of these young guys to to be better. Like, like you said, Kyler has shown flashes, but he he's been terrible this year. He hasn't gotten helped by Cliff Kingsbury at all. But I mean, his limitations are, are really showing up. Um, I mean, granted, he's like five foot eight. What can we really expect from him? Uh, and then some of these other number one picks or, or high uh, high. Uh, draft picks like Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence hasn't has looked a little bit better, but those other guys are disasters. They are absolutely terrible. And add to all of this the fact that they're not being really helped by their coaching staffs. I think there's a lot of inexperienced coaches, a lot of unjustly hired coaches that I don't even know how they got their jobs. Um, add to that as well that the the O-line play is just is pathetic in the NFL right now. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what they're teaching them. I think there's a talent disparity there. I think no one wants to be an O-line, uh, an offensive lineman anymore. I, I think we're, we've gotten to the point where everyone just wants to play wide receiver uh, or defensive end or, or cornerback because those are the flashy positions. And I think we're starting to see what happens when when that when that happens over a long period of time. So, man, I don't know. Like, if this continues, obviously we're going to keep watching because the NFL is just just a, a monster in terms of uh, in terms of audience and, and people watching the games. I I watch just because, well, I have to do it for work, but I also am just fully into fantasy football, and I'll watch a terrible, you know, Bears Texans game because I have Damian Pierce on my team. <laughs> like it that's just that's just the NFL and it'll always be that way. But it for the casual viewers, like they are gonna lose a lot of them uh if, if this continues. Yeah, real quick, uh, like I, I'm ahead. looking yeah. at the I looked up the starting quarterback ages, like of who started four more games this year. So the five oldest are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and Russell Wilson. And then I'll throw in Matt Stafford, who's six. Like, one of those quarterbacks is playing well, and that's Kirk Cousins. Like, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Matt Stafford are all playing very poorly. Then you look at the five youngest guys, and it's Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, and Justin Herbert. And I don't know, mate, like, I wouldn't say Herbert's playing exceptionally well. Tua was playing good, but it's like, you know, Tua's hurt. So so Miami's suffering because they were really exciting early in the year. But it's like Herbert, Herbert is hurt too. He has a ribs yeah. thing. Um, so it's like, I mean, yeah. when your five youngest quarterbacks aren't really that marketable right now, and your five oldest quarterbacks aren't doing anything, it's like then you got guys sprinkled in the middle where it's like Carson Wentz. You know, Jacoby Brissett, Mariota, Cooper Rush, Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky started four games. You know, it's just like, uh, ugh. Like, there's just a lot of, you know, it's just, it, that's that's really all it is. It's like the the NFL is driven by how well the quarterbacks play. 
And this will get remembered as, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we're not halfway through the season or anything, but since it's the bye week, we're talking about it. But so far, this seems like a season where we're going to talk about how good the defenses were and all that. And it's really not that. It's just the quarterbacks are playing poorly for for one reason or another. A hundred percent. And it doesn't help that this past quarterback draft class was one of the worst, I think, in history. Kenny Pickett is just going to be a guy. I really don't see a lot of potential with him. Ritter, Willis haven't even played. Bailey Zappi has been the best the best rookie quarterback so far. So, man, it's uh, it's not good. I think this next uh, draft class is good for quarterbacks, I believe, um, yeah. from what I've from what I've read, so. Oh, we've heard uh, that maybe, before, so we'll see. We have. We hear, we hear it every single every, every single yeah. offseason before, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Colts. I don't think we have to talk too much about them because we literally just played them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Times got out to a big lead in the first half, uh, then did their usual Titans things in the second half. Uh, but they ended up holding on. They got a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan. Did you see anything differently uh, from the Colts this past Sunday when they beat the Jaguars uh, in the final final moments of that game with an Alec Pierce touchdown? Do you see anything different uh, from the Colts that, that the Titans played against? I personally just thought, uh, like I mentioned, before they were just throwing crossers all game because they realized Matt Ryan first of all cannot throw deep cannot put any zip on passes over like 10 yards uh if not his receivers have to completely come back to the ball and it sets them up for potential turnovers also their O-line isn't playing well so they're trying to get the ball uh out quickly but that might have worked against the Jaguars I don't think that'll work against the Titans yeah, like they're starting Dennis Kelly at left tackle, which they, they made that change halfway through the game. I think they kept moving other tackles to right tackle. I, I didn't, I didn't watch that closely, but I heard the announcers talking about uh, something to that. But you know, they threw fifty-eight times, like which which we said over and over. But it's crazy because looking at every other game this season you can't throw 58 times with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Like they got very lucky because there weren't, you know, Matt Ryan didn't have any fumbles in this game. He didn't have any interceptions, but that's because the Jaguars defense looked just, I mean, they looked so bad. Like you watch that defense, they have no interest in tackling like anybody at all. Like they're, they're not, I mean, the it's, it's such a, like both teams were terrible against the run. Like, there were so many plays where they just get gashed and it's like the defensive backs don't really look like they want to be there in the run game. Like the linebackers are in the wrong spots. Like they're getting moved on the lines. Like, and then you'll flip the script and it's the same thing on the other side where it's like both offensive lines look like they're just getting constantly bullied. Like I I don't, I don't know how these teams score like I mean I do because I watch but it's like you watch and you're not overly impressed with anything that happens through the air it's like you know Matt Ryan does a lot of like you said like a lot of crossers and they have all those like heat maps where they just showed like like however many receptions that Pittman had like uh, like seven or something like it's like or, or not seven that was uh Campbell he had like 12 or 13 or something and it's like nine of them came like over the middle on crossing routes and it's like yeah, if you're just going to give up the middle of the field to these crossing routes and they don't want to even try to run the ball, then yeah, like you're you're just going to get eaten alive by that. But the weird thing is is like now they've got both running backs coming back this week, which on paper sounds like it should be a positive, but no, I was legitimately uh, just going to say when you finished up, I think Jonathan Taylor coming back is good for the Titans because it yes. means they're going to run the ball more. And the Titans yes. run defense is has been really good against the Colts over the past couple of years. Yeah. So that, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, they're not, I mean, the only way they've, you know, we saw the train wreck that was the Denver Colts, you know, matchup in week five on, on Thursday night. That was awful. Like, they should not have won that game. Russell Wilson completely collapsing and throwing an interception in the end zone is the only reason, like, uh, any good team wins that game. But 
the Colts managed to get a win, and then they completely diverted from their plan and went all passing. And so now we're back to where they were in week four when they had one win and they'd only beaten the Chiefs because of that fluke game. And they've got two more wins under their belt, but they're really, you know, theoretically they're the same team. So are they going to come out and throw it 60 times? I mean, maybe. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know that they can say it, things were working better when we were trying to run Jonathan Taylor 20 times, but I also don't know how you can justify saying, well, we completely got away from that because our super old, super high-priced quarterback can only run an offense where he gets to throw 60 times. Because I I would like to think that Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel are smart enough to say, okay, they're going to try to run crossers. Let's build the build the defense to stop crossers because we're not going to build it to stop the deep ball. Like, we've already screwed that up. So at least don't give them both things. And, you know, like, I, I just, I, I don't, I I don't know. I don't know what the Colts want to be, and I don't think they do either. And I think as soon as they start running the ball and it doesn't work, they'll say, we should be throwing the ball. Or as soon as they throw the ball and they throw an interception or Matt Ryan has another, you know, strip sack or whatever, it's going to be, why didn't we run it with Jonathan Taylor? Like, it, fans were booing when they went down 14 to three against Jaguar against the Jaguars when they were at home. And that, you know, they're booing in the stands when, you know, it was like the second quarter or something. And I'm not saying we've never seen Titans fans do that before, but I'm, what I'm saying is like, the, there's no way this fan base is going to be happy either way. So going on the road in a hostile environment and dealing with the Titans who have a week of rest, like, that seems like a nightmare recipe because I don't think they're confident in anything they're doing. So I, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident heading into this game. I, I'm not going to say there's no way the Titans lose. There absolutely is. Uh, division games are always tricky. The Colts keep winning these like disgusting games. They've done it uh, several times. They even tied against the Texans in a really gross game. Uh, they probably should have lost that one, but they didn't. They're kind of resilient. I don't, I don't, I don't know how or or why their defense kind of keeps them in games, uh, in, in some of these games. So I could definitely see them possibly pulling off uh, this upset, but the Titans should handle their business. Vrabel off a bye or or a mini bye, which is like after Thursday night football. I think he's eight and one with the only loss coming in the Bengals playoff game. So that should be a pretty good sign. And the Titans were able to use the bye to get a little bit healthy. They were dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, particularly uh, on the defensive side of the ball, should be able to get some of those guys back. And I think that'll that'll really help. Uh, plus Derrick Henry, fresh. You know, he was playing the best ball of his career uh, before the bye week. Now he gets an extra week of rest to – to go against the Colts, who he's always played very well against. Uh, I, I would feel pretty confident as a Titans fan. Plus, they're playing at home. They already beat the Colts uh, on the road, so they should be in good shape. If they come away with wins these next two weeks uh, against the Colts and then the Texans, they should be wins. I mean, anything can happen, but they should be wins. They'll be 5-2, and two, which... Did anyone see that one coming? Well, we kind of did. We said this was yeah. the stretch. They, they should have won these games, um, even though it seemed crazy at the time. And we thought we were a little bit crazy saying it, but we went through the schedule and we pretty much gave them all of these wins. We said, I think maybe they might have split with the Colts, which they possibly still could. Um, but man, being five and two heading into that that primetime game with the Chiefs, then you get the Broncos, who are a disaster, the Packers, who have zero identity. Um, and then the Bengals, who have a really bad O-line, they're in good shape. Titans are in really good shape, I think, if they if they get these next couple of wins these next two weeks, and it all starts uh, with the Colts. Yeah, you know, when we looked at this schedule at the beginning of the year, like it, like we always do, like when it comes out, it's like you look and you're like, all right, Giants. It always looks scary. Yeah. It always looks scary. <laughs> you know, it's like Giants, easy win. No, Bills, like, we're going to like, that's going to be a tough game. No, they just absolutely, you know, kicked our heads in Raiders that, you know, they're going to be tough because they have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and they added Devonte Adams and they have Max Crosby and you know, the, no beat them. Then it's like, ah, like an early trip to the Colts. That's going to be tough. Nope. And then it's like commanders kind of where we thought they were. Then it's like 
you know, now we're in where we are now where I remember at the time being like, I can't believe we're wasting that bye week of early preparation or whatever on the Colts. But, you know, honestly, like the Colts look bad. Uh, and so, you know, it's not it's not super advantageous, but at the same time, it's this looks very much like a year where you just focus on getting into the playoffs and worry after that because you don't have to try to get the number one seed because it's not like there's a bunch of great teams that you, you know, you're going to play against in the playoffs anyway. So, you know, beat your guys in your division. Okay. Like then you have the Texans who, you know, the Texans always play us weird. It doesn't matter who's their quarterback or whatever. So, you know, we'll deal with that. And the chiefs are always hard, but you know, then you've got Broncos who are semi like, I don't even know if I should say semi-collapsing. Like, I, I was watching Benjamin Albright's, like, Twitter feed this morning, and he was tweeting a lot about it, and people are, like, constantly asking him, like, can they fire Hackett? Like, what when's the earliest they can get out of the Russell Wilson contract? And then Russell Wilson says he has a hamstring injury and there's a back injury, and reportedly he's day-to-day. It's like, all, you know, all these little things, and, like, they lost their left tackle for, I don't know if Bowles is out for the year. I think he's out for the I, – I don't – it's it's a long time either way. And so it's like, that's a big issue for them, whatever. Then you have the Packers who are also struggling. And it's like the Jets just went and, you know, beat them pretty much up and down the field. Then you have the Bengals who you, you host the Bengals and it, you know, they lost their big nose tackle for a long time, but I don't know how long he's out for and their run defense hadn't been great this year. And then you've got the Eagles, which, Looks like it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But then you have the Jaguars, the Chargers who are banged up. The, then you host the Texans, you host the Cowboys, and then you go on the road to Jacksonville. And it's like, the you know, they're not all like, they're not all easy because there's no easy games because you don't get to play the Panthers. But at the same time, it's like the Texans should be pretty, like, you know, just knowing what we know about the Texans, you know, and whether – the Titans play up to that. I don't know because they did lose to the Texans last year and they lost to uh, the Jets last year. So I'm I'm going to be careful with what I say, but it's like Texans, Jaguars, broken chargers, uh, you know, the Bengals, Broncos and Packers are worse than we thought. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the second place team in the AFC South, like will have win total wise, but I talked to Tyler Rowland and I made a bet with him the other day where I don't think that the Colts will have six wins by week. I think I said week 15 because that's the end of their bye week. And like everybody else in the AFC South schedule is much harder than the Titans at this point. So, you know, like like I said, we'll see where it ha- what, what happens, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, seven and – what is it? Seven and 10 is the second place total in this division. Like I, you know, I, I, I don't know, like we'll see, but if the Titans can just take care of their business, these next two games get to five and two, or if they can just take care of the game this week and be four and two, like it'll be a big leg up on a, an AFC where the middle class continues to, you know, fill up and there's just very few teams with one or two losses. Yeah, I I think the Colts could probably get to eight, maybe nine wins, just because they they they're they don't go away. They're like really pesky. They're they're kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, that they, they're not very good. Unfortunately, neither is neither are a lot of these AFC teams. Uh, and I agree with you. It's really just about getting into the playoffs this year and then seeing what happens. If the Titans win their division right now, right now they would host the Jets uh, in the first playoff game. Um, and then the, the teams under the Jets are, well, the teams that aren't division winners right now are the Chargers, the Jets, the Colts, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jaguars, Broncos, Browns, Steelers. Like, I would take the Titans' chances against po- probably any of those teams. You know, I, I, I'm not too scared of any of them. It's possible the Titans could lose to any of them because that's who the Titans are. Uh, but... I don't know. The Titans are, are, are good enough to, to, to beat most of them into the playoffs. Anything can happen. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully they just come out of the bye, get the win against the Colts, and then we'll take it uh, week by week. But the Titans are, are in a really uh, good place for now, I think. 
Uh, again, those three wins before the bye week was was pretty big. So uh, we're going to take our second ad break here, and then we're going to come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back in to Stop the Nonsense. No. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. <laughs> we're about to do Stop the Nonsense. Uh, Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I'll keep with the uh, Tennessee versus Alabama theme. I'm not going to go into every tweet that everybody sent because there were a lot of Alabama fans who just, you know, to their credit, just assumed. So that, cocky. That, yeah, so they, cocky. they assumed that Alabama would win. I'm not going to talk about all the Alabama fans who are crying about officials and all that because of the penalties, even though it, they said they had something like 17 penalties. Well, first off, uh, 12 of those were false starts because you kept moving before the ball was snapped. So it's not like they're subjective penalties. Like, anyway, I, I won't go too far into that. Uh, what I will say is there's there's something about Henry Tootoo, who used to be the, the Vols linebacker and who transferred to Alabama after, you know, the coaching change happened and, you know, whether he, you know, whether he took ben- whether he got benefits and like was, was you know whatever happened there like it, there's something that rubs me wrong about him doing a promo for uh the Alabama Tennessee matchup and talking about how you know you know the the 100,000 people like screaming is like music to my ears and all that kind of stuff like that there's something that makes it so good when you fail as badly as he and the defense did. And, you know, he, he made, you know, they made this video and he did the narration, you know, clunkily and poorly, but he got through it. And then at the end, he said, it's nothing personal. It's just business. And the number of Vols players who posted videos of themselves saying it's nothing personal, it's just business. You know, the, you know, watching him completely miss on tackles or like jump over the top late. Like when he was like the fourth guy there, like just be ineffective and emasculated in front of uh, the, in the Tennessee fans screaming at him as he had five tackles and no, you know, dropped an interception that like ricocheted off people. And just, I, I'm not going to say he completely, you know, fumbled the game away because, you know, there are several Alabama defenders that did that, you know, nobody could stop anybody on the Vols offense but there's something about that that feels very stop the nonsense to me is them using a former Vol player to try to get in the Vols heads when you already had that advantage you had 15 years you didn't you didn't need to kind of spike the ball but you did give them just a little bit of extra motivation and that's why your you know your future top three pick and Will Anderson got bullied the whole game and that's why Toto looked like he should be a day three prospect you know it's like it getting cooked like that after you talk smack that you don't deserve is awesome. There, there's no, there's no better word for it. So I'll just leave it at that. So my stop the nonsense is Toho Toho daring to even do the voiceover for that. You got to love uh, when stuff like that backfires. It just, it's, it's funny, uh, especially when it happens to teams like Alabama. So Good stuff there. Uh, I have a couple of stop the nonsenses. They're not outrageous, but one of them is Robbie Anderson, who I don't like that guy. He rubs me the wrong way. He really always has. Uh, he always throws temper, tran- throws temper tantrums on the sidelines. He did it with the Jets. He's done it with the Panthers. This Sunday, he literally starts arguing with the coaches. Then he takes a Twitter and says, uh, that his his character was being questioned or something like that. Uh, gets kicked out of the game by interim head coach Steve Wilkes, which good for Steve Wilkes. Why why does he have to deal with that? You know, um, get him out of there. And then the next day, he gets traded to the Cardinals. Uh, and then people are acting like this is a huge move for the Cardinals. Um, what? Why? Why? <laughs> He's not good. Like I don't I don't know. Uh, what he has to do in the NFL, uh, for us to realize that he's like just a, just a guy. He's so mediocre. He's fast. That's it. He's like a complete one trick pony. All he does is ever complain. Um, he doesn't come across as, as a very good guy or good teammate. 
Um, he's also like 150 pounds. He's just, I don't know. I, I just don't like that guy. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't want to see him have uh, too much success. I don't think he will because the card. Cardinals are the Cardinals are stop the nonsense in and in and of themselves. Uh, they're a complete dumpster fire, uh, even after they extended Cliff Kingsbury and their GM for like seven years. I I don't I don't understand that organization. But anyway, that that's one of my stop the nonsenses. The other one happened in the Monday night game. Uh, that whole game was was really uh, uh, was really nonsense. I, I don't know. What that was, it wasn't football. Like I said before, every Broncos game devolves into just a carnival uh, of terrible, terrible sports. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know what was going on in this one. I was rooting for a tie. Didn't get there. Uh, kind of sucked. We even had to watch overtime. But something happened in this game. Um, uh, aside from the coaches just being completely inept at everything, having no idea how to call plays having no idea how to manage the clock, just just complete buffoonery. Uh, but in overtime, I don't know if you saw this, um, it was like second and 19 or something. I don't know what it was. The Chargers were backed up. Herbert throws a moon ball to the sideline to Mike Williams. And I swear to God, he caught this. He caught this ball. He like barely clipped the, the turf before... Uh, he went out of bounds uh, with like his toe and everyone was like, uh, hello, he, I, we think he got this and it looked like a catch and nothing happened. Nothing. It didn't get reviewed at all. They showed uh, a like very slow-mo in-depth replay and it legitimately looked like he caught the ball. I, I don't think Brandon Staley could have challenged. I don't think you can challenge in overtime. I'm not to- totally sure about uh, that rule, but like, why didn't the NFL? Hello, why didn't they? Uh, why didn't they review this? Like, it was a huge turning point in the game. The Chargers ended up winning anyway, but that could have been that could have been disastrous if if the Broncos ended up winning uh, and they didn't review that. So that was super weird. It was also a just terribly officiated game as well. They kept calling number twenty seven on the Broncos for pass interference. Some of them were just not pass interference at all. So. My stop and nonsense is really just the NFL as a whole. I, I I've talked about it at length on this podcast, really, but there's just a lot of a lot of bad stuff going on uh, around the NFL right now. Yeah, and that like you can like it, my recollection, I hadn't pulled it up, but you can see like his toe drag and those like beads come up behind. It's like you can like there's visual evidence that like he had both feet in. Like I I don't know why they didn't like challenge that or look at it either like that that was titans fans would have lost their yeah s word if 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 that happened to us absolutely like that that was you know that was a bad game just in general but i i don't know like the i swear and maybe maybe they've said something in the offseason but didn't it seem like there were a hundred more like buzzes down from the uh the league office or whatever last year, like that they had like a booth review, like a booth initiated review that would like constantly happen. Like it it seemed like that was a big part of uh, like the implementation. Like I feel like it was like emphasized last year. Like they're like, don't worry about throwing your challenge flags. Like we'll initiate booth reviews and all that. And I swear there have, have, there's been like three booth reviews that I've seen and maybe Maybe that's because it hadn't happened in Titans games or in primetime games. And when I watch the other games on the condensed version or the all 22 or whatever, they don't like, they don't, they don't talk about it, but it seems like last year, like there were so many, like, is that a catch? Is it a non catch? Like a quick booth review would like, let you know. And now it feels like that's just out of the equation. And I don't know what's up with that, but you're right. It like, as if the officiating needed any more help looking bad, like just kind of picking and choosing when you call pass interference and who's going to be your primary target of pass interference and then not really knowing what a catch looks like. It's been a rough year for them. It definitely has. And you're right. They, they did call down very often um, last season and this season. It's just 
uh, gone by the wayside. I guess they're focusing all their attention on on spotting players who have concussions nowadays. Um, and now everyone gets ruled out. I don't know if you've noticed if someone even even goes into the concussion protocol during a game, they've like are like immediately ruled out. Which okay, good. I good. I guess that they're now they care about concussions and the act, actual health uh, of players, but. They don't always have concussions, so it's it's a very uh, very fine line that they're not towing very well. And I don't know, there's just it, it it's been a really weird season uh, for the NFL uh, and their optics as a whole. So we'll see, man. We'll see if any of this has uh, has any repercussions. That'll do it for us for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the game against the Colts. Hopefully the time to come away with another division win. Uh, and we can talk about good things instead of negative things. So for Matias, for Will, uh, thanks for tuning in. And remember to always stop the nonsense. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.